everyone, and welcome to the first episode of this G5 football podcast that we're doing for Athlon Sports. Uh, as of now, we don't have a formal name from it, but I'm sure we'll have that figured out in the coming days. My name's Joe Londrigan, brand new to the Athlon Sports brand. I'm going to be covering G5 football on a daily basis. This is the podcast that's going to accompany that. We're going to dive into analysis of all five of the group of five leagues and the storylines that are associated with those leagues throughout the football season. Really looking forward to being here. And of course, if uh, you know me from stuff I've done on the internet prior, then you know I'm usually podcasting with uh, a lovely young man by the name of Eric Charles Henry. And uh, he just so happens to be here today. He's going to be a regular guest on this thing. But um, right now, you can most uh, commonly catch his work with 247 Sports covering the Texas Longhorns. Eric. We're back. They tried to keep us off the airwaves, but here we are. My, oh my, how things have changed over the past few months. First off, for those of you who are new to Joe and I, his description of things we've done together on the internet, that can be rather vague. He's referring to podcasting. I just want to make sure that is first and foremost. <laughs> uh, Joe is a happily married man, and I am, you know, working my way there. So make sure that is uh, uh, up front. But no, as Joe mentioned, we've worked together in various formats for the past, what, four and a half years, bud? It's, it's been it's been a while. And uh, more than happy to be joining Joe on this new endeavor of his, obviously, as he talked about. I am now with 24-7 Sports covering the Longhorns for Horns 24-7. So if you happen to enjoy Power 5 football in addition to your group of five football, you can find uh, coverage of the Horns there. But for the sake of this podcast, as Joe said, I will be a guest on this podcast. Rather frequently, you'll also hear from various, uh, you know, personalities, coaches, players, etc. Um, fans, listen, it's one thing we want to do with this podcast is make it really interactive. We want this to be uh, kind of your hub for group of five football, especially, you know, thanks to the folks at Athlon Sports for giving Joe this platform, whether it's the podcast and, of course, the soon to be announced outlet that he will be publishing group of five content from. So, yeah, we are back. It has been a while. It's been about, what, three-ish months since we got that that notification that we no longer had a podcast on that, that previous platform, which came out of nowhere. So uh, yeah, Joe, it's, it's been a while, but happy to be back. Yeah, same. And we should specify for people who are like, no idea who you are, no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Eric, in addition to being an expert on the Texas Longhorns, also an expert on G5 football, spent several years on the Florida International Beat covering Conference USA alongside myself, as well as uh, the other group of five leagues, particularly the American and the Sun Belt. Uh, for another outlet. But yeah, here we are. We spent three months uh, debating, trying to figure out what we were doing. We almost started a Love is Blind podcast, but uh, now Listen, we're back. That, that was my vote. That was very much my vote. Yeah. You know, I think I think I would have gone insane after the first couple of weeks because I, I just I love those stupid people so much. But here we are. And thankfully, I think we're doing what we're probably supposed to be doing and talking about large men running into each other. Yeah. See, here's the thing, Joe, again, with you being the married one of the bunch, I mean, you'd be mm -hmm. most qualified to kind of do the Love is Blind podcast and, you know, uh, be successful. I, I would just be another SK. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I kid, I kid, I kid. No. Um, as Joe mentioned, you know, we'll kind of briefly touch on our backgrounds. Joe talked about it again. He spent uh, uh, how long were you having been covering Group of Five football uh, prior to uh, this uh, outlet? Since 2017. Okay. Like January of 2017. So just a touch under six years. Okay. Well, I guess a little bit, uh, just a touch over six years, actually, because it's June of 2023. 
Okay. So I started in March of March of 2018. Right. It was when I jumped on the FIU beat. So, again, right. um, for those of you who are new to us, because we're going to be branching out into a little bit wider of a coverage range than we were at you know, the prior outlet. So for those of you, you know, again, who aren't familiar with us, we have a lot of deep ties and the group of five ranks. You know, Joe, uh, deep ties with Western Kentucky, deep ties with Conference USA. Uh, of course, myself, you know, having covered Conference USA for the past five years, I went to the University of Central Florida. It's actually, I'm wearing a UCF hat right now. It's just backwards. Otherwise, I'd flip it around. So I'm a product of a uh, American Athletic Conference, even prior to then, a uh, Conference USA school when I started at, at, at uh, UCF. So uh, ties with the American, of course, the Sun Belt as well, having covered games across the coverage landscape. So that's something, Joe. Uh, do you want to take a minute and maybe kind of just talk about the soon to be published, you know, kind of, um, I guess, endeavor with Athlon and what that's going to be and what we you envision that looking like, you know, I think it'd be probably uh, noteworthy for, you know, listeners to this podcast to kind of know what they're getting themselves into and what they can expect. Yeah, I can give it a shot basically every day over on Athlon Sports starting July 1, which hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll have already started. But we're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of six to seven uh, pieces of content per day for you. Uh, just going into every group of five league. We're going to try to cover as many teams uh, within that space as we possibly can. Obviously try to cover all the big storylines, all the big games. And uh, yeah, hopefully do a little more interactive content. Like you said, on a week to week basis, kind of gauge how those G5 fan bases are feeling and uh, really just help Athlon give these leagues the coverage that, that they deserve. We know there's passionate fan bases. We know there's fantastic stories and we know there's just great football all around. So hopefully you can come to appreciate alongside us as we kind of get into the rhythm of, of getting this going and uh, give us a little patience as well as uh, we, we try to stretch the old, you know, podcasting muscles that we haven't done in a while. And of course, expand our, our conference range all across uh, this great land of ours and probably internationally too. But we'll uh, yeah, you know what? Listen, football is very much an international game at this point. So no doubt about that. I'm really glad you talked about that, Joe. And like I said, I just really wanted to kind of give a background and emphasis on what, you know, the ties that we have. I mean, we absolutely will be, whether it's media days, it's weekly pressers, it's things of that nature that you will get coverage of with Joe's platform at Athlon Sports and definitely on this podcast. We're going to try to do this podcast a few times a week you know, sort of really kind of hone in on the group of five coverage. Joe, if you don't mind, may I take a minute and kind of, uh, and really kind of reinforce, you know, the group of five ties and show off my credential wall that is behind you. You know, do you mind if I just- There it is. Yeah. Go off. Yeah. It's a beautiful credential. I guess I might as well just pull the laptop here a little bit. We'll have fun since it's the first episode, as you guys can see, uh-huh. spent a lot of time covering FIU. That's it. There you go. Yeah. So that right there is- Five years worth of FIU beats. Let's see, we got a little, got a little USF going. We got a little East West Shrine game. Got a little Cure Bowl. Uh, we got some Southern Miss. Uh, what else? We got some Marshall, Tulane, Western Kentucky, of course, a couple times. Conference USA Media Days, Texas State, uh, American, uh, the 2018 American Conference Championship. So we got a whole lot going on there. Uh, just kind of reinforce the fact that both of us do have really deep ties and covering group of five footballs. So this figured while I had the opportunity, I'd show off the old uh, credential wall there, just kind of reinforce the fact that, listen, uh, I think, you know, Joe, you'd agree with this. And, and by no means do I want to shade anyone out there who who may be covering group of five football. But the fact of the matter is this, you have some people who 
are checking game notes and checking the websites and putting together, you know, a 250 uh, word article just based on, you know, something that they've seen online. And then you have people who have actually been to the stadiums and know these leagues and know these teams. And Joe is certainly one of those people. And I will offer my expertise again, having covered those leagues for five years on this podcast. While you know, I mean, I'll be covering Texas uh, for twenty four seven. Now I still have you know a lot of deep ties. I want to shout out you know people uh, across those leagues who have really been great to us and and really want to bring that here to this podcast. So just kind of want to take a minute and and just really reinforce with those of you who are new to us what you will be getting. Too many people to give flowers to in uh, the amount of time that we have to, to intro this podcast. Um, but now that we're at about the eight minute mark here, uh, should we just go ahead and start actually talking some G5 football, Eric? Are we are we prepared to do that after sitting on the sideline the last three months? We'll see how ready I am. You know, I obviously have a new beat, but uh, I think I still got the group of five chops. So let's hop into it. Let's do it. Uh, to start the uh, the week zero lineup, we got uh, Navy and Notre Dame. All these games are on Saturday, August 26th, by the way. Uh, but kicking things off, we got the midshipmen and the fighting Irish going at it at Aviva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. That first international bit of flavor that we mentioned. Uh, it's the stadium of the Irish national uh, rugby team and soccer team. Again, last time we saw these two teams playing each other in this venue, Aviva Stadium, just under 49,000 people were in the house back in 2012, and that was a 40-point win for Notre Dame. Uh, so far, Eric, most sports books in the U.S. have Notre Dame as a three-touchdown favorite. I'll ask you point blank just to get the wheels turning. Do you think Navy and new head coach Brian Newberry keep this within three scores? Uh, my inclination is to say no. I'm a huge fan of Sam Hartman, even going back to the QB1 days and his his performances coming out of high school in the South Carolina area. So, no, I think it's going to be tough. Again, when you talk about Navy, Joe, you know this. They're transitioning away from an offense that was and really a uh, you know an entire identity that was so specific it's so unique it's not just a plug and play that hey you got players who've been doing one thing and now they can kind of plug in a new system and they can easily make that transition this is going to be an entire offseason of really shifting how navy wants to play football so i do think that while navy should have some success in this kind of revamped american conference that we'll talk about keeping it within three scores that might be a tough ask on week one certainly understandable and you mentioned that offensive shift that navy's undergoing right now there are rival army kind of undergoing something similar and we're going to see basically both these teams throw the ball uh significantly more than they have in the past um you know on on newberry's side of things can definitely see how that would be a challenge for some of these players that have already been in that system under coach uh, ken niamatololo for a number of years First off, Joe, uh, credit for you pronouncing Coach Ken's last name correctly, because I always go with Coach Ken. But <laughs> uh, with that being said, no, that's precisely the point that I'm making. And listen, you know, throwing the ball 15 times would be exponentially more than, you know, Army and Navy typically through the football. But with that being said, especially, you know what I mean? When you recruit for a specific system and in specificity, the, you know, um, the, the academy team, the armed forces teams. It's, it's just a tough ask in my mind. This is not similar to Georgia Southern, right? You know, going from, you know, um, I'm forgetting who was there prior to Clay Helton. It, it, it's going to take a little bit more of just a a year-to-year -year transitioning of recruiting for that type of offense in order to get people there. Of course, it was Chad Lunsford, right, Joe? If memory serves me correctly, was that Georgia Southern? There we go. Yeah, current FAU tight ends coach, yeah. Correct. Yeah, I knew it was going to take me a minute. I got so many names 
running through my head. I knew I'd pick it back up there. But yeah, I do think that's going to be a bit of a philosophical shift that's going to take a while. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's going to be the first of seven games with G5 participation on week zero. Should be a test that uh, will definitely exhaust uh, the Navy football team for sure. Tough to see whether or not that system's actually going to work under a team with uh, Marcus Freeman at the helm that's going to have a lot more experience than they are to say the least. But we mentioned our extensive background talking about Conference USA football. Let's jump into that for the second game that's on this slate. UTEP at Jacksonville State. Miners welcoming the Gamecocks to FBS and to CUSA with this game um, down in Jacksonville, Alabama. But uh, the Gamecocks, surprisingly somewhat favorites by less than a field goal so far. But something to keep an eye on for JSU, it's going to take until the end of fall camp for head coach Rich Rodriguez likely to name a starting quarterback. He's already got about half a dozen quarterbacks in that room so far, as he's want to do over the course of his career, and he's sticking with that system now. They did just get a big transfer from Nebraska. Seems like he's going to be right in the mix for that position as well. And uh, also Jacksonville State, Nine and two last year in their last season as an FCS team. So significant jump in uh, level of competition from those divisions. But, you know, people might not realize just how ready Jacksonville State believes they are for this transition. Joe, I'm going to cut right to the chase. Jacksonville State has a very real chance to win this game if Zion Webb is granted a seventh year of eligibility. In my mind, that's the key. Now, for, for those of you listening, typically in previous years, Joe and I would have had a chance to bat around a few notes and, you know, we could uh, kind of align certain things. This time, we're just kind of shooting from the hip. So I have no idea if the quarterbacks that Joe referred to there, if Zion Webb is one of those guys. For But for G5 listeners who may not be familiar with Zion Webb, of course, coming from the FCS ranks, he was one of the top players in FCS football uh, really over the past few years. Very much an NFL prospect. I had a chance to see him live when Jacksonville State came to FIU in 2021 and upset the FIU Panthers in, excuse me, in 2020. Yeah, 2020, 2020. Sorry, I got to get my years right. Uh, they came to FIU in 2020 and upset the Panthers back when they had Trey Barry and a, a few other um, really high and talented group of five or FCS prospects at the time. So if Zion Webb is eligible and granted that seventh year, I absolutely think this game is right there for Jacksonville State to take. If not, uh, they do have some pieces. They do have a, a nice, you know, nice running back. I'm forgetting his name. It's Anwar. I'm forgetting his, uh, his last name. But I think it's Lewis, if memory serves me correct. But uh, they do have some pieces there at Jacksonville State, a really strong program, as you mentioned, under Rich Rodriguez, making the jump to Conference USA. They've added some transfers as well. So definitely keep an eye on that game. But with that being said, Zion Webb is the factor. And Joe, I'm sure you'll talk about the minors a little bit as well. Gavin Hardison, he feels like he's been there for six years. You know, he's been there for a while. And is still just as much of a question mark, just as inconsistent as we've talked about in his first year when he took over for uh, Kyle Loxley was the quarterback at UTEP and then ended up being the Gavin Hardison era. Gavin Hardison beat out TJ Godwin, the former three-star recruit who was supposed to be the quarterback of the future. Gavin from uh, New Mexico Military Institute in Hobbs, New Mexico. Very unheralded quarterback. As I said, Joe will probably get into you know, his, his career a little bit more and get into the minors a little bit more. But yeah, them making the trip to Jacksonville State, you know that, uh, you know, that fan base is going to be fired up. First ever game at the FBS level. And if you've never seen a Jacksonville State Stadium, it's a nice little venue as well. You know, it's really built out on one side. Uh, they haven't quite finished up the other side yet, you know, in terms of, you know, a full 
uh, enclosed stadium. But, you know, it's a nice venue and they'll be fired up to welcome the Miners. To go on with what you were saying about Zion Webb, as of yesterday, we're, we're recording this a few weeks before you hear it. But as of the day before we recorded, he was granted that seventh year of eligibility. Okay. So okay. that's going to be a big piece, as you said, for Jacksonville State. Then not to cut you off, Joe, but then Zion Webb is going to be your starter. I mean, sure. I, listen, no, no discredit to any of those guys who are brought in, but that should be your starter. Understandable completely. I, given what uh, Rich Rod has has talked about, about as far as his you know style when it comes to coaching quarterbacks specifically over the last few years, the man likes to have options. You know, he's like me when I when I go on vacation. I just need to bring about seven or eight Hawaiian shirts to know exactly which one is is right for my date night at Chili's, right? So I, I completely understand his line of thinking here. Uh, listeners who are new to this, I guess now viewers, now that we're doing this on, you know, a visual platform. Uh, the great thing that makes Joe and I, you know, like a nice tag team and, and you know, we're just kind of opposites attract there. Um, I'm not eating at Chili's anymore. And Joe is. So that makes Joe a man of the people. I, I'm, I'm the non elitist one when it comes to food. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I had, I had to give you that take. But yeah, man, what do you what are your your early thoughts on the Myers? I'm kind of curious about that because obviously, you know, we know the season they had last year a little bit disappointing in the fact that we thought Gavin Hardison and company would take the next step. They obviously were greatly affected in terms of the offense with Jacob Cowing, one of the nation's best receivers, heading to Arizona. Um, but still have some talent. You know, they got Deion Hankins. Uh, they they just added another running back today. As a matter of fact, shout out to Adrian Bradis, one of our. Um, Deep connections there, ESPN El Paso. Shout out to Adrian. I'm sure he'll be on this pod at some time in the near future. But they've added a lot of talent uh, on offense. But still, it seems like it's going to be Gavin Hardison robust. But what are, you, what are kind of your early thoughts on, on the Mars? I think praise Amahule back as well, too, I believe. I think you're right. You know, I think we were waiting on uh, Deion Hankins to kind of get that eligible that eligibility nod most of last season. Didn't really get it. But now that he finally has it, that's a huge step forward. And with Gavin Hardison, I think you uh, mentioned it. Um, Pretty decent quarterback, decent athleticism there. Um, didn't really do, didn't really live up to expectations, in my opinion, last year. Has a really solid deep ball, but without kind of that Jacob Cowing threat um, that can get open down the field, like you mentioned, that certainly creates some issues for that offense. But um, for people that don't know uh, the trajectory of this UTEP program, Dana Dimmel has them going in the right direction, absolutely. Um, so I, I think. This is going to be an interesting first test for them against, you know, an offense uh, in what Jacksonville State has that has plenty of weapons. So if they can if they can keep Jacksonville State's offense from controlling the tempo of the game, then I think they'll be fine. Yeah, Joe, you talked about it. I think you, um, you know, again, it's been a while. We're a bit rusty. So I know you were talking about some of the eligibility issues there. I think it was Breon Hayward who you were thinking about who had eligibility issues. They're way. Yeah, you're right. Moment on the defensive side of the ball, but still, but still also a very key factor. Um, Deion Hankins is someone who's been banged up a little bit throughout his career. Now, no more Ronald Awa. He is the number one guy, you know, for uh, fans who may not be familiar with UTEP football and Deion Hankins, he is the city's all-time leading rusher uh, in the city of El Paso as far as high school football there. So was a very highly touted recruit coming out of uh, El Paso, chose to stay home, make it a hometown thing. And it's been a solid, I'm sure you'd agree, it's been a solid Conference USA back, but never hasn't really reached that ceiling that you kind of expected for someone who rushed for over 5,000 yards in his high school career. So I think this year, now with him being established as the guy, no more Ronald A. Watt, yeah, you'll have some one-two punch a little bit, but this really, in my mind, is a breakout year, an opportunity for a breakout year for Deion Hankins. And, and Joe, again, I'm sure you'd agree, um, I think we reached a point in Gavin Harson's career where we kind of know 
he is best when that running game sets him up and puts him in manageable situations to hit those receivers on the outside. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think we should take this opportunity to transition to the other side of that West Texas, East New Mexico rivalry with New Mexico state. And we're definitely planning on getting someone in to kind of talk about uh, one of conference USA and the G fives newest team in the Aggies there. Uh, But they're going to host UMass on August 26th on ESPN. I believe that's the only game on ESPN. ESPN that day. Interesting choice for for them, but um, we're going to see yeah, Diego Pabia uh, again for the first time since that quick lane bowl where he kind of showed that gutsy performance for Jerry Kill's team. As I mentioned, this is the first game for New Mexico State as a member of Conference USA. Uh, it's a program that Jerry Kill very much has going in the right direction. I believe that was their first, uh, their first bowl win um, in quite some time last year, but returning a decent amount of players from that team And I find it hard to think that New Mexico State loses this game uh, due to that momentum that I mentioned and, frankly, the futility of that UMass program at the moment coming off another 1-11 season last year. Yeah, that's a, you know, a couple of astute points on your part, Joe. Now, New Mexico State did have a couple of players who transferred out, but with that being said, in my mind, the best UTEP, uh, UTEP the best UMass Minuteman uh, transferred out. Uh, UMass, the, the, you know. The thing about them, you talk about some of their struggles, is it's retaining talent. And when you have a guy like Josh Wallace who leaves, goes to Michigan, one of the top cornerbacks in you know kind of the uh, group of five independent ranks, it's it's just really tough to replace that. This will be a common theme throughout this podcast in terms of talking about group of five teams. I'm sure you know we're going to talk about a team in FIU who in a little bit in week zero that's facing the same issue, trying to replace homegrown talent. So with UMass, that's been a struggle, whether it was Walt Bell, and I, it just really doesn't matter who's there in the start of the head coaching ranks. But you talked about it, one of the newest teams in Conference USA began their first year in New Mexico State under Jerry Kill, a really surprising team in my mind. They started out rather slow last year, had a disappointing loss to the aforementioned FIU Panthers. FIU was coming off of a 73-0 loss to Western Kentucky the week prior. They make the cross-country trip to Las Cruces, New Mexico, and pull off the upset. That was kind of the low point of New Mexico State season last year. But after that, they went on a string and had a couple of great victories that really propelled them, as you talked about, to that quick lane bowl victory. So in my mind, Diego Pavia, you talked about it, his growth and ascension in year two as a starter, should he get the starting nod in my mind, really is going to play a huge factor, not only this game, but the entire season for the Aggies. One other guy I think is going to be interesting to keep an eye on as uh, fall camp gets closer and closer for New Mexico State is Miles Rouser. Um, Big tall corner, uh, came out of the uh, Michigan high school football scene, uh, played his first season at Campbell with Mike Minter, uh, was an FCS All-American there, and now he joined uh, New Mexico State over a bunch of Power 5 schools, had offers from uh, LSU, uh, Tennessee, uh, some ACC schools. So I think he's going to be a big piece of that defense as well. Um, staying on the West Coast, the San Diego State Aztecs are hosting the Ohio Bobcats on FS1 around the same time. The beautiful, relatively new Snapdragon Stadium on SDSU's campus. Uh, the Aztecs are hoping to start a campaign that would end in their first Mountain West championship since 2020. Um, right now, Eric, Aztecs are favored, but Ohio did win 10 games in 2022, won that division, uh, just missed 
that Mac title last season since uh, Toledo seemed to have other plans once again. Um, but I can see this particular game going either way. Two really well-coached teams uh, with Brady Hoke going against Tim Alpin. Um, just very different stages of their career, though, obviously. Yeah, I think it's nail on the head that these are two really well-coached teams. Obviously, Brady Hoke in his second stint at San Diego State. And I cannot blame you for having a little bit of trouble. Snap Dragon Stadium, definitely a tongue twister. So uh, no no worries there as far as tripping over, that, or tripping over that one a little bit as I trip over my own words. But nevertheless, yeah, this one in my mind, Joe, I don't know about you. When I look at the Week Zero slate, I think this one has potential to be the best game of the Week Zero slate for G5s up here. I think so. I mean, based on what we've seen out of this Ohio offense in particular, I think it's going to be a matter of can the San Diego State defense step up to keep it, you know, to keep it closer than they need to be. Obviously, this the San Diego State team has um, done really well in developing specialists in particular. I think a lot of people know that. Um, and then they've done really well developing interior guys. It's been skill positions, in my opinion, that don't seem to have been really their strong suit the last couple of years. Whereas Ohio, it's kind of been the opposite. Uh, really good quarterbacks, uh, really good, you know, running backs. But can they beat these these big, you know, California kids and a lot of these kids that come from the really good JUCO teams on that side of the country in the trenches? You just told was my last point. When you talk about California teams, especially at the group of five ranks, you know they're going to go JUCO heavy because you have such great junior college football in California. They absolutely do. Uh, if you haven't watched that season at Last Chance U, by the way, fantastic. Um, let's sort of stay on the West Coast, but by way of Nashville, Tennessee here with the uh, Rainbow Warriors uh, playing against Vanderbilt on the SEC network here. Um, Eric, before we get into this matchup, I want to test your trivia knowledge here. Hawaii is undefeated against one SEC team in their in the history of their program. Which one is it? I'm stuck between Kentucky and Mississippi State. I'll give you this. It is an SEC East team. South Carolina? Yes. Huh? Yeah, they are, I believe, 2-0 against South Carolina in their history. It's the only – I think it's one of the only Power 5 teams they're undefeated against. How about that? Shout out to the Warriors. Those Hawaii Warriors definitely making a comeback. I, it's That is – and first off, well, before we even jump to the game, yeah, um, West Coast by way of Nashville. Are you one of those people that considers – like Nashville on the East Coast, right? No, I know. Okay. No, no, no. No, I, I, no, no. The only reason I ask that is because, again, in all major sports, Nashville is in the Western Conference, right? Uh, Memphis is in the NBA, I know. Oh, sorry, Memphis is in the West. And um, the Preds are in the Western Conference. I'll take your word for it. I'm not. I'm. I'm not I, as knowledgeable up on hockey as you are. But yeah, yeah. no, I'm ninety nine percent sure the Preds are in the Western Conference. And then even even if my memory serves me correct, no, no, no. When the Oilers became the Oilers, the Tennessee Oilers, they were in the AFC Central. Um, they were not in the West. Nevertheless, yeah. uh, 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 that's the spirit of the uh, nerdy geography lesson as far as sports. Yeah, no, this one's going to be really interesting, right? Year two of the rebuild in Hawaii. Um, in my mind, still a ways to go, you know? I mean, we know some of the transition that was coming off of uh, the end of the Todd Graham era, you know, at uh, at Hawaii and some of the things they went through there. So definitely want to keep an eye on the Warriors this year, but I think this will be too tall of a task in week one. I agree. I mean, we're, we're going to talk more about what to expect from the Timmy Chang staff in year two uh, on another episode within the next couple of weeks. So if you're really interested in Hawaii football, uh, have good news for you on that front. And last year, Vanderbilt won this matchup 63 to 10 uh, in Honolulu. Uh, Hawaii hoping to be a very different team this year, but 
you know, Hawaii still 11 and two against the spread in their last uh, 13 FBS season openers. So don't count them out yet. There might be a little bit of that rainbow warrior magic. You never know, but um, based on the kind of roster transitions that we've seen in the off season and the fact that, you know, Vanderbilt playing at home, it's always tough. And especially if you got to come from that far, I, I'm not going to pick against the Commodores, but uh, this this Hawaii team definitely trying to turn over a new leaf as we'll dive deeper into in the next couple of weeks, um, which brings us to San Jose State at USC on the Pac-12 network. Pac-12's only action of the day here and San Jose State 0-5 all-time against USC. But I think this one is, is going to be interesting because of this highly anticipated San Jose State offense led by Siobhan Cordero at quarterback. Uh, an ex-Hawaii guy, I believe, came from uh, one of the, the bigger high schools in Honolulu. I am, I'm not finding the actual school in my notes at this point. Um, but really solid junior wideout as well in Justin Lockhart, who is expected to be an all-conference guy. The list goes on. Um, this, this program, I think, trending upward at San Jose. I don't know that they'll get this opening win against um, that Lincoln-Riley offense that's, again, taken a big step forward in the last you know couple of years. But um, I think this will be a relatively entertaining game, at least in the early quarters. Absolutely. I think this will be an entertaining game. I do not think it will be a win just because I am a huge fan of what Caleb Williams is doing and will continue to do this year at SC. In my mind, he is a top prospect in terms of the NFL ranks. But as you mentioned, really interesting quarterback situation at San Jose State. Of course, a transfer coming in, Javon Cordero from Hawaii. Can he adjust? I think that gives him very much a legit passing threat. And San Jose State is very quietly been building something there over the last few years. So I definitely think they're going to be contenders. But with that being said, this is too much of a ask in my mind. San Jose State's kind of since, ironically, since Mike McIntyre left, they had some rough years there. And uh, now in these last couple of seasons, it's um, it's it's been kind of the opposite. I believe they were, they had that really good year in 2020, but 2021 was a little bit rough. And then I think they bounced back this this past season with a 7-5 and five record. No, yeah, exactly. You're correct. And you talked it's nail on the head again. Uh, really started with Mike McIntyre in terms of building up San Jose State, who had, uh, you know, really – Going back to what, uh, you know, I think it was Dick Tome, Dick Tome. As you mentioned, they had a few uh, lean years post Mike McIntyre, um, but really a lot of talent in, in that Bay Area. It's just a matter of kind of getting it there in San Jose State and really building something. So, again, definitely interested to see what they do in conference play, but I think week zero is going to be too much of an ask. Eric, it's, it's almost poetic justice that we wrap up this first episode by talking a bit about the FIU Panthers. They are headed to Louisiana Tech on CBS Sports Network to close out. Uh, the week zero slate. And for me, my eyes are going to be trained on that quarterback matchup between uh, the young man, Grayson James out of Dallas, who uh, developed so much last season. Curious to see uh, what kind of work he's put in in the offseason and what we see from him coming out of their upcoming fall camp. And then, of course, Hank Bachmeyer, the Boise State transfer, who I think is going to fit right in in Sonny Cumbie's system for the Louisiana State Bulldogs and uh, create that, A, just be this veteran presence that I think this team is really missing right now as uh, as they, you know, get not left behind, but get left behind in Conference USA, both these programs. Joe, can we talk for a second just about the additions, Louisiana Tech, Hank Blackmire, Squirrel Williams, the coldest Crawford, I mean, just offensively alone. Those are pieces. And if you know anything about Louisiana Tech football and really what they're trying to do in a Sunday Cumbie, they're trying to throw the football around. 
They want to have a high-flying, potent offense. That was the struggle last year. They went through so many quarterbacks, not even necessarily because of play, but because of injury. Landry Liddy, um, gosh, who am, I, who am I forgetting right now? Um, just trying J.D. Head, uh, um, um, Parker McNeil, Matthew Downing. There we go. I knew I'd get all four. You know, you so, many, so many quarterbacks last year, a lot of that because of injury. Now you've got that position stabilized with one of the best group of five players, forget quarterbacks in, in the past how many years, and Hank Bachmeyer, you put him in a system that he feels comfortable in, and we know that's part of the reason why he left last year at Boise State. I think the ceiling is very high for Sonny Cumbie and the Bulldogs in year two. Now, as you mentioned, kind of poetic justice. I was covering the Panthers up until April of this year before I joined uh, 24-7 Sports and Horns 24-7, covering the Longhorns. So very familiar with what that program is going through. Joe, um, this is probably a much larger discussion that we can have later on in the offseason, but you got to feel for Mike McIntyre. How do you build a program in the way that Mike McIntyre has been known as a program builder from his time at San Jose State, getting them to 10 wins, built Colorado, took them to a 10-win year before you know uh, that tenure ended, and then trying to do the same thing at FIU, just off the top of your head. I'm not even holding you to this, Joe. Can you name, or not name, but number, how many starters FIU's lost this offseason? It's Two. in the double digits, right? It's in the double digits. I'm going to ask you. How many of those were to graduation? <laughs> um, le- I'm going to guess less than five. One. One. Okay, Folks. so I was right. Folks, <laughs> we, we, will, we will go down the list, okay? Mm-hmm. EJ Wilson, who was a, a, a more or less their, their RB2 last year. Tyrese Chambers, of course, a notable one who was really making all of uh, I, I hate the fact that Maryland's a Big Ten team. I, you know, Don't get me started on that, right? But all of the, the preseason Big Ten lists. Rivaldo Fairweather, who looks like he's going to walk right into Auburn and be a starting tight end. Shamar Hobby Lee has landed at Houston. Lindell, um, uh, Lindell Hudson Jr. is now at Florida. Jamari Sylvester is at Bethune-Cookman. Julius Pierce at Middle Tennessee State. Let's see if I can remember all of them off the top of my head now. Um, uh, Gaithan Bernadell is at Stanford. How many Power 5 teams have I named there so far? Like four or five? Um, Andrew Volmar is at Louisiana Monroe. Um uh, Sean Peterson Jr. is at Central Florida, UCF. Let's see who am I forgetting. I'm sure there's some, there are one or two more that I'm forgetting uh, in the meantime. But that it's very hard to build depth. Or Demetrius Hill. Demetrius Hill, the all, freshman All-American. Yeah. <laughs> He's in Illinois, right? I just So that's like seven kids who've gone Power 5. All of them, Joe, are local Miami products, right? So, again, we can get into the much larger discussion of this later on, but you got to feel for Mike McIntyre. He's like, hey, my program, and of course, that was his first year last year, but you get the point, is taking the, the chance on building these kids up who weren't necessarily Power 5 ready in year one or coming out of high school, and then they play a couple years at FIU, and now they're gone. So to fast forward that to this you know, game and playing against Louisiana Tech, it's like you're starting from scratch again, and I just don't know how you can – build the type of depth that you need. It's not about getting the starting 22. Any coach in America will tell you that, that when you take over a program that struggled, more or less, you got 75, 80% of your starting 22 are players who can play. It's about building that depth, especially across the interior and, of course, the skill positions to compete for four quarters. Uh, You know, listen, I'm a huge fan. I can say this now that I'm not covering the team. I'm a fan of the Panthers, a fan of Mike McIntyre, a fan of Scott Carver trying to do. 
but I just don't know how they're not starting from scratch again this year. You talked about Grayson James trying to take that jump in year two, uh, year two as a starter. He's got all the physical tools, but is there enough around him? You're replacing four people on the offensive line. You're bringing in a kid uh, in Travis Houston, excuse me, um, Travis Burke and Philip Houston. Phil Houston was a Juco kid a couple of years ago. Travis Burke at Gardner Webb last year was a solid start, was a solid player at Gardner Webb, FCS Gardner Webb, but he's making the jump up. And then across the interior offensive line are going to be new starters as well. So in my mind, I, I, I laid that all that foundation is to say when you're talking about them competing against one of the top quarterbacks across the G5 ranks over the past few years and Hank Bachmeyer, Craig Skrull Williams, a former four star recruit, Decoldis Crawford, a guy who's going to fit seamlessly right to the offense with Sonny Cumbie. If FIU gets a win, it'll be great. Joe, I'm sure you have the spread there. I think it is like nine or 10, if memory serves me correct. But it's just hard for me to see them going on the road week zero, considering that these are uh, players they thought they were going to have entering this year and, and pull off a victory. Were you around enough for FIU spring ball to really get a sense of like what the biggest changes we're going to see are from last year? Yeah, sure. Because, I mean, Sean Peter, the players who left since I've left that beat were Sean Peterson and Demetrius Hill. In terms of biggest need, it was going to be in, on the interior, regardless, right? The, the, because it wasn't that – FIU's talented across the offensive line. We saw that with the kids who've gone power five. But it was a matter of getting them to gel together and have the continuity that you thought they would have in year two playing together. But now – they're forced to replace four people on the offensive line. That was going to be a big challenge. Joe, I think this defense, and even without Sean Peterson and Demetrius Hill, I think they're going to be solid. But they had an opportunity, in my mind, to be uh, really a, a top third Conference USA defense with Sean P and Demetrius Hill. They don't have those guys anymore. But, yeah, biggest need, in my mind, was going to be offensive line. Biggest concern was going to be offensive line. Because as much as we both like Grace and James, what they're trying to do with quarterback, it doesn't matter if you can't protect anybody. That will be something to keep an eye on as the Panthers uh, get closer to fall camp in August and get that wrapped up and get ready to start the season as we all are. It's only going to be at, at this point less than two months until we have live college football to uh, take over our Saturdays again. And uh, hopefully you'll leave uh, at least a portion of the rest of those days of the week to us as we get you ready for the G5 football slate uh, every week, a couple times a week. Uh, right here on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you again to Athlon Sports for giving uh, myself this opportunity to do G5 content. Thanks for letting me bring uh, Eric Henry of 247 Sports on to you know, do this on a regular basis. He's going to be a regular guest, by the way, for those of uh, those of you who were fans of the show that we did together every week for the last like five-ish years. And um, it feels so good to say, well, I, I, I'm, you know I'm shaking off the rust because I'm forgetting the plugs. The all-important plugs. The all uh, Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. And, of course, Horns247 is where you can regularly find his work covering the Texas Longhorns. And his G5 stuff is uh, going to be here on this podcast with me over the next mm -hmm. uh, several months uh, as we get ready for the football season. And I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore and um, at Athlon Sports. And on athlonsports.com is where you can find all the college football coverage, including uh, my coverage of the group of five. And we're really looking forward to ramping that up with you as we get ready for the 2023-2024 season. Happy football watching, everybody. And we'll talk to you very soon.